Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of God for the world. Well, Julie's already preached the first uh, paragraph of my sermon, so you're lucky uh, uh, I can just start here in the middle. Um, I was going to tell you about this month that we, we started last week, um, but I'll just say that today, as I'm preaching, it's missions show and tell. So I want us to, to think about what we see here. Recently, I saw a sign on the billboard of a local florist that read, Flowers whisper what words cannot say. Really? Flowers whisper? Things speak to us? Of course they do. Surely, you've heard that tempting chocolate cupcake whisper, Eat me now. <laughs> Are those cute shoes saying, Boy, I look great on your feet. Hmm, or that new golf club. I'll improve your handicap. Or the iPhone 6. Promising, I'll help you stay better connected, and plus I have cool apps in case you get bored. We can hear what we see. And many times we listen and respond. Whenever I go on a trip, I look for a special object to bring back that will remind me of my journey. Sometimes the object is something I purchase, like that chalice over there with the Star of David engraved on it. You might want to come and look closely after the service today. I bought that on a visit to the Holocaust Museum. This chalice speaks to me, calling me to remember the intense experience of that museum reminding me of the enormous tragedy we humans can make of our lives when we believe that one group is superior to another or look the other way when that assertion of superiority is being acted out cruelly. Sometimes I bring back from a trip a gift that I've been given by someone who wanted to help me remember the experience we had together, like that book about Prague that speaks the name Patty and makes me smile at the fun Patty and I had being parent chaperones on that trip. And then there are those gifts that others have brought back to me from trips they've taken, trips that I wanted to take but couldn't go. The stole I'm wearing today is one of those gifts given to me years ago by a Cuba mission team. I had participated in months of preparation for the trip, despite the fact that we knew all along that I was not get, going to get on the plane and go with them. So they brought this handmade Cuban stole back to me so it could tell me how much they missed me. The old cliche, a picture is worth a thousand words, has stood the test of time because it contains truth. These objects on the communion table are our providence pictures. Like my personal objects, they're tangible reminders of our congregation's mission endeavors. 
They speak truth. They tell stories. Last week, as we talked about the, as he talked about the relationship building that defines mission, Philip mentioned this photograph here on the corner of Enrique Morales and said, Enrique's framed picture sits on my desk, and I don't completely know why. But I do know that when I glance at it, I'm reminded of the love of God expressed in relationships. If you've not listened to Philip's sermon, you should go online and do so. The wooden basket was a gift from little Yenny, who followed the Cuba team around for a whole week. Everywhere they went, Yenny went. At the end of their trip, she gave them this carved basket that had been made by her father, who had no connection with the Gethsemane Church at all. The gift was given out of gratitude for welcome offered, relationships made, and love shared. The nets, the soccer ball, and the shoes, which I forgot to bring, represent gifts of relationship and caring that were sent to people we do not even know. And still others, such as the bin down in the front where we collect needed items for IAM, the crock pot, and the Christmas bag, are objects that symbolize the partnerships we formed while engaged in various mission activities, once a week, once a month, once a year. If these objects could talk, what would they tell us about what it means to be the church on mission? When the objects speak, will we listen? If we could hear from what we see, what would we hear? The most obvious thing we might hear is a distinct cry for help. A crockpot cries for the hungry. Tennis shoes, soccer balls, and nets remind us that many people are in need of countless things required for physical survival. The washing machine used to collect money for a home and a washeteria space for our Cuban pastors, Rafael and Malver. And the ceramic house and gift card representing homes for youth the ministry being birthed by Kathleen Lambert for homeless youth in Hendersonville. Call us to remember that there are those who need a roof over their heads and access to safe, clean living conditions. The church on mission for God in the world takes a hard look around, listens carefully with ear and eye for cries of people in need and seeks to respond to those needs generously and compassionately. We cannot minimize the need to respond to these cries. That is a vital aspect of the life of the church on mission for and with God. And that's what a mission-oriented church does, after all. Help those in need in the name of Jesus the Christ. But is that all we do? Is that all these symbols say to us? Or are there some less obvious but equally significant things about how to be the church on mission, and why our mission is so important that we might also hear. Carry each other's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. That is Galatians 6.2, the verse that is cross-stitched on this Cuban wall hanging. There are actually two of these banners made by the members of Gethsemane, our partner church in Cuba. 
this one that hangs downstairs and one that hangs in their church. The twin banners put visible flesh on the bones of our partnership. And the scripture from Galatians describes our shared mission. These banners are identical, save the fact that the one they gave to us is cross-stitched on cloth, while theirs is made from styrofoam and marker ink. They chose to give us their very best. The bell on the table is a gift from Judy, one of our Joseph Center guests. She wanted to give back. Theo's latest CD of beautiful, beautiful music is here a gift for us to enjoy as well. The collection bin is for our IAM donations. The acronym IAM stands for Interfaith Assistance Ministry, in case you didn't know. This bin offers a reminder that regardless of what name we call God, we can and must partner to meet need. There's an email from Zella. She and her husband write regularly of their ministry in Bosnia, currently focusing efforts in the refugee corridor. She asked specifically for prayers for them and their ministry efforts, especially with children. The banner, the bell, the CD, the bin, the email, give voice to the meaningful relationships being forged and shared locally and globally across economic, international, and religious lines. All these simple, beautiful objects issue a call to remember that there is more that unites us than separates us. We are all guests at the banquet of life, and God is our host. Sometimes we are called to act as hosts in God's name, but there are times when we are the guests, when we become the vulnerable ones sustained by God's love flowing through another person. We must include and open ourselves to be taught by those whose lifestyles and, and lives are very different from our own. And these symbols call us to leave the judging to God and to follow the inclusive way of Jesus Christ, who ate with sinners and challenged those who would judge to cast the first stone. Jesus' gospel is the good news that all are invited into God's kingdom and that those who follow must be willing to set aside prejudice and judgment in order to practice radical love and openness with people who are different in race, ideology, lifestyle, or religion. Individuals and churches that leave the judging to God and are willing to love as Jesus commands are very different from ones that assume for themselves the roles of judge and accuser. The church on mission heeds what these objects shout, a call to honor our interconnections with the whole of God's creation and the call of our Lord Jesus the Christ to radical inclusiveness. A third thing we can hear is the invitation to embrace brokenness, our own as well as that of others. The Jewish chalice calls us to remember the scope of human cruelty, and in so doing implicates and indicts us all. But the chalice also invites us as Christians to remember our Jewish brother Jacob, part of whose story we read this morning. Jacob has a significant struggle with a man later identified as God. The encounter leaves Jacob changed. He's given a new name, and he acquires a limp, both of which serve to remind him of this divine encounter. 
The various needs represented by the symbols on this table suggest to us that we all have needs, that we are all limping along, that we cannot always fix everything, and that we are not always in control. This is the call to acknowledge our humanness, to remember that we are not complete without the sustaining power and compassion of God's Spirit, and to persevere despite our weaknesses. Churches on mission remember that they are made up of broken people who are seeking with God's help and healing to move toward wholeness. Henri Nouwen calls us wounded healers, suggesting that in our own woundedness, we become a source of life for others and that the one who would minister is called to recognize the sufferings in his or her own heart and to make that recognition the starting point of service. As followers, as a congregation, everything we do is mission. So when the cancer survivor calls the one who has just received a terrifying diagnosis and says, I know how you feel, that's the church on mission. When the person who has walked through a devastating divorce to find life on the other side sits down with the one whose marriage has just dissolved and says, let me walk this road with you, that's the church on mission. As followers, as a congregation, everything we do is mission. Each of us walks with a limp, with our own brand of brokenness. We can respond to this reality with bitterness, embarrassment, anger, or denial. Or we can choose to recognize that in our brokenness, God is with us. We can allow that knowing to make us more compassionate, more hope-filled, more patient with others whose limps have left them debilitated and unable to look up or move on. The church on mission must be full of beggars telling other beggars where bread can be found. These objects before us call to us. Remember, you too are wounded. Allow God to embrace you as you limp along. Trust that in and through your wound, God will give you a new name and enable you to be a means of healing for others. And as you go, as you limp along, as you share and receive bread, the way of transformation open, opens and an offers a new life. A fourth sound emanating from these objects is a boarding call. Being on mission is more about a journey than a destination. While our symbols do represent actual places, Bosnia, Africa, Cuba, 7th Avenue, Hendersonville, they also remind us that the church on mission is called to be just that, on mission. On the journey, wherever, whenever. The Homes for Youth Ceramic House reminds us that the journey can be dangerous and long and that all of us are in some way homeless wanderers, searching for our way, seeking God, looking for home. Go therefore, says Matthew's Gospel. This is better translated as you are going, while you're on your way, wherever the road leads. The church is called to pilgrimage as a way of life. 
To be sure, this way of looking at our church's mission has risks. We must be prepared to face the possibility that our neat, ordered, manageable lives might be turned over and unsettled by the movement of God's Spirit. That we might be called to do something outside of what is comfortable. But isn't that what happens in life anyway? Isn't that what these symbols are telling us? That life is not ultimately in our control? That surprises are built into the very fabric of life itself? Claiming our identity as pilgrim people provides a challenging way of living. Pilgrims recognize, trust, and celebrate humanness in the face of the infinite love and grace of God. Pilgrims radiate a deep connection to God and an infectious compassion for all people because they listen, as Jesus did, to what they see and then follow. Pilgrims risk the journey. The Trappist monk, Thomas Merton, understood this pilgrim way. He prayed, My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. So the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that my desire to please you does please you. I hope that I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, For you are ever with me and will not leave me to face my perils alone. That should be the pilgrim prayer of every church on mission. While there are many more things these symbols can tell us, the final call I want to identify is an invitation to salvation. We are compelled by our scriptures to go and make disciples. We are compelled to proclaim the gospel. Our commission is to invite others to experience the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. But the invitation to salvation that these objects issue is not only to those to whom we go. The summons is for us as well. Living a life of inclusive love, living out the good news in our world as pilgrims, experiencing our connections with others, facing our own woundedness. All of these things offer transformation. They can be life-changing. When we go our way willing to be vulnerable and faithful, we are challenged from within, constantly being converted, saved, liberated. If you listen to reports of mission experiences, What you will hear is not only about what was done for others. Most testify about about what they learn and experience, how they are changed, how their own spiritual lives are transformed as a result of encounters with those to whom they minister. Our relationships with Enrique and Judy and Theo, Zella, Raphael and Malver change us save us. 
The church on mission must be open to continual metanoia. That means we are open to being grabbed hold of by God in the form of another person, willing to wrestle with our own wounds so that we can minister more effectively to those who are wounded. And in the process, being made more like Christ. When we heed this invitation to ongoing salvation, we gain a new perspective on faith, renewed meaning in our identity as God's people, and deeper commitment to the way of Christ we are called to follow. Baptist missiologist Alan Neely wrote a book called A New Call to Mission. In it, he quotes theologian Jürgen Moltmann. Mission does not come from the church, Moltmann says. It is from mission and in the light of mission that the church has to be understood. Neely goes on to redefine mission in a bold observation. Mission is not the result of the church. The church is the result of mission. According to Neely, our task is not to think up mission projects to do, but rather to be on mission as a way of life, immersed in God's transforming activity in this world. By living this way, we are changed, transformed more fully into the body of Christ, a body willing to be taken, blessed, broken, and offered to a fragmented, needy world. This table tells us that mission is not just something we do, but it must define who we are and how we live. We are called by our own symbols to listen to the cries for help and respond with compassion, to understand that we are deeply connected to each other and that we must respect and honor those connections, being willing to include by extending the radical love of Christ to anyone we meet. We must grapple with the risks that kind of inclusive love brings with it. We must respond to the invitation to see our mission as pilgrimage, as the journey we walk no matter where we find ourselves. And we must be willing to be vulnerable to the transformation that God wants to bring about in our own lives, in our own church, as we go. I tell you a mystery. We shall all be changed. So let those who have eyes to hear, hear. Amen.